welcome to Evolve to Succeed, the podcast that brings together entrepreneurs, founders, business leaders, and experts to talk about their journeys and explore the link between personal and business success. I'm your host, Juan Munson, founder of Evolve, a coaching, training, and development company focused on enabling business and personal success and creating a community of like-minded individuals. Whether that be through our peer groups, one-to-one coaching, our training and development programs for you and your teams, or through our content and events, our mission is to get the best out of each individual and inspire them to be better both in life and in business. If you want to learn more about Evolve, including our beautiful co-working space in Ashley Cross in Paul, then please go to evolvemembers.com where you'll find great content, insights, details of all of our services, and also information on our forthcoming events. For now, though, let's get on with the show. Last month, the UK B Corp community celebrated 1,500 UK businesses becoming B Corp certified, an increase of over 50% in less than a year. It's an incredible milestone and a shining credit to the growing strength of what is an increasingly important movement. More than ever before, the planet is obviously and clearly in crisis. Not only that, it is very evident that there are growing social and economic issues that are resulting in increased disparities between the wealthy and the poor, as well as a simmering discontent in the decisions of policymakers and the impact they have on both the environment and day-to-day life. The ethos behind B Corp is that businesses themselves have a responsibility to be part of solving these issues. The movement is founded on the notion that profits and positive change needn't be mutually exclusive and that the business community has the power to be leaders in the making of a better and more sustainable future for everyone. Here are some compelling stats for you. Compared to traditional businesses, B Corps are two and a half times more likely to be carbon neutral. They are 40% more likely to have implemented a high to low pay ratio and over four times more likely to tie executive compensation to include social and environmental performance. Earlier this year, a survey of the general public revealed that 78% felt that businesses should be legally responsible for their impact on people and the planet. Not only that, last year 69% of adults also stated that they expected businesses to mitigate the cost of living crisis for their employees, customers and or suppliers. And in another survey commissioned by B-Lab UK, 80% of the UK public said that they prefer to buy from companies that are doing good for people and the planet. And I think that's really where the B Corp piece does come in. It's about you know, doing good, running a business with purpose, but also recognising that to do that, you need to be commercially viable. Profit margins alone can no longer be used as a marker for success though. This is especially true among the younger generations for whom a company's principles and commitment to sustainability are the primary reasons why they choose to buy or not to buy from a brand or business. It's therefore imperative as a business owner to have a deeper awareness of sustainability and an understanding of how to make your business a better, fairer one that doesn't have the next quarter's results in mind but a view to long-term accountability and transparency that can really make a profound difference long after you've exited the business. That is surely a legacy we should all be aiming for. Over the years, we've had several guests on the podcast who have become B Corps or were considering 
going through that process. And so, in light of the UK B Corp's recent milestone, we decided to put together a special episode that will help you understand B Corp better, give you an insight into the differences it's made in the lives of the business owners who have become certified, and reveal some of the practical measures that they're taking to make their enterprises greener. I hope you enjoy this very special episode, and that it will inspire you to think more deeply about the environmental and social impact your business is having. Is your business one with a put true purpose? And to consider ways in which you have the power to harness profitability and purpose to create a better planet. Perhaps the ideal person to start off this episode would be Annie Tallboys, a qualified B leader and advocate of using the B Corp framework as a force of good within organisations. Annie appeared on the show in April 2021 to explain what a B Corp is and the process behind becoming one. When the episode aired, UK B Corp members had just surpassed 500, so a thousand short of their current milestone, which again highlights the amazing growth the movement has seen over the past couple of years. B Corp is kind of agnostic to the type of businesses, so it doesn't specify what you do, who you are, what you make, what you deliver. The only criteria is that you need to need to have been trading for 12 months and that you are f- a for-profit business. So you can't be, you know, a, a government or um, an NGO. They, they, it, yeah, it has to be a for-profit business. Lots of people, I guess, consider it to be about products. Um, and if you haven't heard of B Corp, I suspect if you go home and have a look in your kitchen cupboards, you'll start to see the recognisable B, the capital B that is on the back of packets. So people kind of associate that with it's it's a product-based thing. It's not. It's for services and product-based businesses. So the likes of Danone, Abel and Cole, just for things that you might recognise, Cook, Etsy, Ben and Jerry's, they are all B corporations. So you can be anything from a one one person entity through to a global organization any any business as long as they're for profit more than 12 months of trading can go through the certification process and we've already talked about purpose and we've talked about the company's got to have purpose as well as you know set out to make a profit and be profit driven as well but what is purpose driven mean in terms of the b corp world you know we can all have a purpose can't we you know um evolve can set out and does set out to bring a community of like-minded business leaders together to share and learn from each other that's a purpose but is that the kind of purpose that a b corp has to have or is it is there a different kind of fundamental depth to purpose or a specific definition of purpose that a a business applying to be a b corp needs yeah it's a really interesting point um and again i think it's something that's a little bit intimidating to businesses like am i going to have to change my entire business model to become certified because if i do that's an, and and that isn't the idea like actually um so the process of becoming a b corporation is you walk through something called the bia the business impact assessment um which is in a in a rough uh, i'll give you kind of a top level it's 200 questions that explores 
I think of it as like picking up stones and looking at every aspect of your business. And there's five key categories. Um, and those categories are governance, workers, community, environment and customers. So it's looking at what are those key key milestones in your business and and what are you doing? Like it's lifting a li- the lid on everything and it's looking at what is best, what does best look like and then exploring and where are you at? And it's not, it's it's tricky because when I've taken several businesses through it and they're kind of, they've got every intention of doing the right thing. But when you lift some of those stones, you go, oh, but I'm not doing that. But I wish I was doing that. And that's the idea. It's it's there to encourage, not to judge. It's there to encourage you to, to make changes that are only going to have a positive impact on you as a business and people and planet. I don't know if you're familiar with the UN Sustainability Goals, but... Yes. Yeah, okay. So the idea is that the business impact assessment is linked to the SDGs. So there is actually a process that's tracking between what your business is doing, what best looks like, and how that has an impact on those goals. At heart, I'm an accountant, so I'm going to have to ask this. (laughs) So what... Any experiences of what have you seen? What's the financial impact of becoming a B Corp? I mean, does it does it reduce profitability? Does it lead to more customers because you're recognised as a B Corp? You know, I suppose there's a commerciality to it as well, isn't it? Everybody, you know, most business owners, leaders with a conscience want to do good, but they kind of want to understand is that doing good? What cost does it come out and what benefit is there commercially? I mean, that's the hard and fast world of of the world in which we live I suppose Annie isn't it so any experiences yeah of course and there's always that kind of balance um, and I've had lots of those conversations what I would say is if you approach this from a point of view of if I go through B Corp am I going to be you know looking at exponential growth or huge profit like I wouldn't do it I don't think that's the right way to enter into the process Um, there is you know, research around what the impact of becoming a B Corp and definitely this, the early indications are there that as consumers become more conscious as, um, you know, service orientated businesses, B2B stuff, um, uh, we're all becoming more conscious about the way that we buy. And that is that is a huge growth area. Um, so I guess I would balance that into it. But yeah, I would I would definitely not look at this as a process of how am I going to grow? However, I think the entire BIA, the um, assessment process is designed to only improve your business. It's not there to, you know, detriment it in any way. It, it's only there as a, as a force for good. Um, so, yeah, I try and balance those things, I guess, if you're if you're at the start of considering this. Do you think that younger generation, because they're more socially conscious and responsible, they're instrumental in perhaps driving some of this change and their organisations they work for to become B Corp? You you know, how do you think this sort of generational kind of piece is impacting now? I think it's really relevant. Um, So certainly with the organisations that I work with, um, people are making conscious choices in every aspect of their life and I definitely see this in you phrase it the younger generation um that people are are more aware of of what they buy 
who they work for and what the values of those organizations are. And they realize that their time is actually a really precious resource and they want to invest it into companies, um, into their employer that actually has really a strong moral compass. Um, I see that definitely within the businesses that I work for. Um, And also many of the B Corp businesses um, that have come through in the past 12 months actually say it's a massive recruitment driver for them. Actually, you know, in a, you know, really competitive market, when you're looking for the best people, the people that come forward and say, actually, you're a great company. I know that um, you're a B Corp or you're going through that process, like that gives them a competitive advantage. What questions should a business owner now listening to this ask themselves to perhaps assess whether they're suitable and ready to become a B Corp? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I think you need to have had a little bit of a eureka moment. If you're a business that's that's moving along, making a great profit, and everybody in your boardroom is purely focused on that profit, I would say it's probably not right for you. However, if you're a business that is looking beyond that to how can we do something good with you know what we're doing every day, how can we create good in the world and make a profit at the same time, and those two things come together, I guess they're the things that I would be asking at the beginning of a process a lot of people don't come to b corp in the first instance they look at okay we really need to consider our sustainability overall as a business and b corp is a framework for achieving that Um, and as you get into the process like your eyes are become more and more open to the possibilities and all of a sudden you go from how can we get to the level that we need to become accredited to how can we become a better business and they're really really different mindsets next up is cheryl hadland founder of top stays nurseries cheryl has over 32 years experience working in day nurseries and has shown remarkable initiative in installing significant sustainability measures in the nurseries that she operates in 2022 Top Stay Nurseries received the prestigious Queen's Award for Innovation for Sustainable Development and Cheryl continues to be a passionate and outspoken advocate for positive change. She is founder of Green Early Years Champions for Change, a charity that helps the early years sector invest more in sustainability, as well as the author of the book Creating an Eco-Friendly Early Years Setting. She is currently writing a thesis on sustainability in the early years as part of her doctoral studies and is a regular speaker on sustainability. As well as her being a podcast guest, we recently had the pleasure of hosting Cheryl at Evolve at an event where she gave an honest, non-biased account of her B Corp journey and provided invaluable advice for those interested in becoming a B Corp or simply wanting to make their business more sustainable. So if you your business owner that's listening to this podcast, what would you say the first, you know, <laughs> as somebody that's passionate about this, is campaigning, is you know, part of charities that are, you sure. know, are, are trying to do something about this. If a business owner is listening to this, what's the first few steps you think they could and should take yes. to reduce their environmental impact? Funnily enough, the very first thing I would do is look at your bills. What is your highest bill, other than for staff? Yeah. 
Um, it may be your rent, but after that, and you may not be able to do anything about that, but what it might be after that is your electricity yeah. for heating your property. Um, what are you buying in your stationary orders? Um, what expenses are you paying out to for people um, driving cars in and out of work? And you can get a real saving for the planet and your budget at the same time. So yeah. that should that should keep all the stakeholders happy yeah. in the business. Happy, doesn't it? Yeah. Absolutely. So some things you can do, like you can cut your electricity bills by making sure you're not heating your office or your property overnight when you're not there. Hmm. And that sounds so obvious. But actually, when I looked at our timers, a load of our timers were set incorrectly. I had some timers that didn't have the facility to turn off over the weekend. And my nurseries are mostly no open and they're not open over the weekend. So why am I heating the building over the weekend? Well, I am because my my seven my timer is not a seven day timer. It's a 24 hour timer. Okay. So I've got to change the timers, which is a very, very small investment. But that's one thing that we've done. I had um, immersion heaters on all the time. Immersion heaters are only meant to be on if you're gas, assuming you've it's got a gas. It's an emergency use. It's an emergency use thing, yeah. but actually sometimes you turn them on and you leave them on by mistake. Um, and we picked that up in a survey, thought I'd corrected it, went back to do another survey literally a couple of years later, and you know what? That blasted immersion heater was still on. So <laughs> I've been wasting an enormous amount of electricity, yeah. and that's – I'm f quite focused. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Definitely. So look at your bills. Look yeah. at your electricity bills and then go around seeing what is what's generating the big bills. Okay. And cut that. Yeah. Find out who your electricity supplier is and are they are they using renewable energy? Yeah. Because they they should be and and you can now get electricity supply that's the same cost um but from a renewable electricity supplier rather than from someone that's buying entirely from fossil fuels. Okay. Now, admittedly, it all goes through the same pipes. Yeah. <laughs> so um, sometimes the person you're buying from and says they're renewable isn't entirely renewable. They may be offsetting, and there there are some issues around it's that. It's going to create demand, isn't it? And I it's think going to create so. the energy. Yes. People opt for that, and then it creates that changes supply in due course over time because the demand exactly. is there. Yes. So buy renewable energy. Okay. Look at your stationary bills and look at your photocopier. You know, you yeah. don't need to be copying so much or so much in colour. Yeah. You don't need to laminate anything and everything that goes on the notice board. And we were doing that. Yeah. You know, so, so stop with the lamination. Stop with the plastic wallets. Um, there are so many bits of one-use plastic that you can just stop using. Biros, my goodness me. Do you really need to use a biro for everything? Can yeah. you not use a pencil made of wood, which is from a renewable source? There are so many things that you can do, but to be honest, you can't do it all at once. So that's why I say start at the bills. Yeah, start at the <laughs> and, yeah. and then work your way through. Next up is Adam Mahon, founder of Brewgooder, a beer brand that is on a mission to provide clean drinking water to one million people. Brewgooder is supported by a local community of drinkers, stockists and other beer brands and in 2016 became the first Scottish brewery to achieve B Corp certification. Its clean water plans have so far reached more than 150,000 lives through the funding the dozens of water projects across multiple countries. I just wanted to touch on um, B Corps, um, yes. you're B certified. Uh, and you know, that is a growing trend within the UK. You know, it's come across in the States, but a lot more of our clients or businesses that we talk to at Evolve are thinking about becoming 
uh, B Corp certified. Um, yeah. Again, words of advice and wisdom. You've been a B Corp and, and recently had you know quite a accolade put on you as a result. So, any tips of words and advice? Uh, yeah. So I think that uh, we got uh, an award for being best for the world um, and we didn't realize until later on that that was it we over indexed in a community you know score because of the work that we do in, in the water projects and stuff um, and the exciting thing was that that was effectively last year's um award that was almost held okay. with the coronavirus till next year and it turns out we actually wanted the year before that as well which we didn't realize because we just <laughs> weren't paying attention but anyway enough humble bragging but um for me, the, the B Corp experience has been one where I actually had to be convinced of it by a colleague. I, I used to think, why would we throw our lot in with, like, you know, mm. I don't know, big companies that want to be seen to be better. Yeah, is it um, just the badge? Is it just the yeah, trying to get a badge you want to type thing? I'm trying to listen. I was, I was in that camp. I felt, you know, I was a young guy. I was a bit of a martyr. You know, like, we're doing more than any of those businesses ever could. We started... And then it was explained to me by a colleague, Zoe, who basically just said, like, yeah, but you can say all the things that you want, but unless somebody else is saying that that's true, then it doesn't mean anything. And I think that way of explaining it was actually, okay, this makes sense. It's almost like somebody's going to check what you're doing versus what you say you're doing and effectively score you against the continuum of other businesses which you're doing the same. And once I realized that, I was actually, this is super healthy. This is really good. This is not just, a, you know, a sticky plaster. This is something that people can, it, whether it motivates with a carrot or a stick, for people to get to do business better, I guess, and to focus on areas where doing the right thing can have, you know, big outcomes for people, for planet, for, you know, uh, for your workers, whatever. That has been a really awesome experience. And it's, I've seen loads of, 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 beer brands and loads of um, companies get B Corp certified and it's, it's great. Like I think it, yeah. as long as it maintains its high standards and um, is credible, it has the chance, I think, to move from being a good thing that from a business-to-business -business point of view where you could say, oh, that brand's this or whatever, all the way through to what effectively fair trade was, which was like it broke through into the mainstream of, of consumers. Yeah. And I think if that can happen, then that's awesome because it comes full circle because then you can actually – as a, as a business or as a consumer look at something and say, well, that must meet standards that I would apply if I had the resources to apply them to every brand that I came up with. Joe Coleman is head of sales and marketing at Summerdown, the Hampshire farm that has been growing and harvesting its signature black Mitcham mint for almost three decades. Joe, who is part of the Coleman mustard family, has been committed to implementing sustainable practices at the farm from the very beginning. From wildlife and insects to flowers and the soil, the farm's holistic approach encourages biodiversity and aims to leave as little environmental impact as possible. As well as being a certified B Corp, Summerdown works with wildlife conservation charity Plant Life, is a countryside stewardship farm and involved in research initiatives such as the Wood Garden Garston Project with Southeast Water and Natural England. When we first met several weeks ago, you were a speaker at our recent kind of Going Green event, which was part of our Basingstoke and Dean Business Festival. And it, it was that passion for the environment and what you could do on the farm and, and leaving it in a better state than you, know, you, you found it, as it were. 
And and that has also led you to become a certified B Corp, hasn't it? It has, yeah. So we well, we were the were the second farm. Um, unfortunately, we weren't the first, and I was all ready to be annoyed about that. But then the the first farmer, Fergus, who got there, is a lovely, lovely guy, and des- and deserved being so first. You can't hold it against him. I can't hold it against him. No. So we, yeah, we were the second farm in the UK to be certified as a B Corp, and it was it was a it was a hard process. Um, but and uh, but a really um, really enjoyable one, despite the the challenges, because it, it really made us think. Um, uh, uh, what we're doing and, and actually I think revealed to us that you know a lot of the stuff that we were just doing um, uh, naturally we didn't have really uh, framed or written down or communicated in any way so it helped mm-hmm. us really think through how how do we hold our values how do we then communicate those in a way that aren't just things on a piece of paper um, but are, are genuinely lived um, uh, in every facet of, of the company and um, working also with B Corp, they didn't really know what to do with us as a farm. It, it's a complex, you know, for, mm. you said earlier. Com- it comes is, back is, to that complexity again, doesn't it? Comes it? Back, it's yeah, it, it's not straightforward. No, no. And they were brilliant at working with us on trying to find um, uh, quantifiable and objective measures which could point, I can say nice things about the farm and I, you know, I could, I could wax lyrical about what we're doing, but that's just my word. How, how do you quantify that? And so they were very patient in working with us, finding benchmarking processes. So, you know, as a, as a farm, we, we're not just a B Corp. We, we work with um, the RSPB's Fair to Nature scheme. So we're, we were one of the founding members of the Fair to Nature um, uh, farming that um, RSPB run, which is, is brilliant. We're, a, we're leaf certified. We work with um, uh, Red Tractor and the Soil Association. We work, we do the big um, farm day bird counts we're involved in so many different little um, organizations um, and and big ones so we're, we're doing a huge project with our local water board on on making sure that um, the water that um, North Hampshire is drinking from the aquifers is is as healthy for them as possible and so working really closely with with the water board on what long-term you know 50-year water safety looks like and and all of those those touch points we were doing because we wanted to do it there was no we didn't angle our marketing around it and we've actually only really started talking about it in the last few years Um, it was just the right thing to do finally we hear from rick exley who at the time of recording the podcast was managing director at jimmy's iced coffee amongst its sustainable measures jimmy's pioneered the uk's first resealable aluminium bottle can which, together with its 250ml slim cans, can be infinitely recycled and put back on the shelf in 60 days. This alone has saved over 99 tonnes of plastic. Jimmy's is also using recyclable packaging and has supported the community by donating over 18,000 iced coffees to food banks, police workers and hospitals in the last year alone. Plastic at the moment is a huge subject matter in the news and you listen to the supermarkets that are looking to eradicate plastic. Understandably, their goals are 2023, 2025 and I understand how it takes time. I do believe they can accelerate that a little bit more uh, if you really push. Uh, And this is a classic example of being a smaller, more nimble business. We set that goal last year. Uh, so within 12 months, we're hopefully going to achieve the goal of being plastic free. Brilliant. And that's not that simple when you consider not, we don't you, manufacture. Yeah, you don't manufacture. No. So you're not entirely 
We're not in control. In control of that process. And there's a lot of plastic in the food industry. Yeah, it is. And, and plastic plays a part. So there must be a challenge there, though, isn't there? Particularly working with the supermarkets. Yeah. Around usually going plastic free, being generally more environmentally friendly, adds cost. And it, and most consumers yep. will accept that cost because of their own beliefs. Okay. Yep. But s- stuck in the middle... Is you know, is the supermarkets, is the wholesalers, is yep. the distributors, and you know, for them, it's about volume and margin. Yeah. How are they accepting this change? Um, luckily, because of the challenge of plastic, you know, stemming all the way down from governments at the top, from and from consumer groups at the bottom, so to speak, the pressure that is being exerted on manufacturers, retailers is so huge they can't ignore it. So we're in an environment at the moment in the UK where you've got to be talking about your environmental credentials, which is a great thing. We just need to make sure we make the right decisions within that. Mm. Um, so I think from that perspective, that is really helping. But from a Jimmy's perspective, our approach to this is we are prepared to invest our own money in this to be plastic free. So the margin implications for us in selling our new portfolio products will be way greater. So we will be making less money by producing and delivering our new range of products this year. So, you know, we, we are putting our money behind being environmentally friendly. Because really living the value. Well, we have to. We, don't, don't get me wrong. I think that, you know, there's going to be um, the consumer, arguably in some retailers, because we don't control the price points. That's up to a retailer. Uh, those prices may change. That's, you know, a sad reality. Um, but however, you know, the big thing from us is, look, we want to do this and it's going to cost us money. But together we have sat down and said, no, it's the right thing to do. Brilliant. And that's what we want to do. Wow. There's something that summed up the Jimmy kind of, Jimmy's yeah, kind of way. That is it. Well, we, when, when you live down here in a little mini paradise, yeah. and it is, you know, the whole coastline down here is amazing. Beautiful. And we do beach cleans. I walk with my children down the beach and do beach cleans with them. And every now and then, sadly, I will pick up a carton, um, a Tetra Pak carton with a plastic lid on it. And it, you know, as much as it, it just makes your heart sink a little bit. Um, so the fact that we are contributing slightly towards that, just by us changing our pack format on an annual basis, will save 9 million pieces of plastic. Which, Amazing. for a small business, gives you some idea of the scale of how big this challenge is. Thank you for listening to the Evolve to Succeed podcast. My hope with every episode is that you've learned something new or heard something that challenged your way of thinking and further motivated you on your path towards becoming a more knowledgeable, informed and inspired individual and business leader. If you enjoyed this episode, then please help us by rating, reviewing and subscribing. We really value your feedback and would love to have you along for future episodes. And please don't forget to learn more about Evolve by going to evolvemembers.com. Thank you for listening. See you next week.